Welcome to the Bob Harden Show, bringing you news and commentary to keep you informed and enjoying life on the Paradise Coast. And now, here's your host, Bob Harden. Good morning. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning. Johnson's Air Conditioning is Naples' longest established air conditioning company. You can find out more by visiting the website johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also brought to you by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles. The website is naplesillustrated.com. We have terrific guests for today's show, including Keith Flaw. He's the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance, and we have a lot to talk about with regard to education, public school education in Florida. Uh, Byron Donalds may be able to join us as well. He is, a course, candidate for U.S. Congress. Seton Motley is the founder and president of Less Government. We're talking about those uh, hearings yesterday with Google and the, the big four tech companies. And then Bill Barnett, former mayor of Naples, will be joining us as well. It is July the 30th, and on this day in 1619 in Jamestown, Virginia, the first elected legislative assembly in the New World, the House of Burgesses, convened in the choir chamber of the town's church. Earlier that year, the London Company, which had established the Jamestown settlement 12 years before, directed Governor uh, Virginia Governor Sir George Yardley to summon a general assembly elected by the settlers with every free adult male voting. 22 representatives from 11 Jamestown boroughs were chosen. Master John Pory was appointed as assembly speaker on July the 30th, the House of Burgesses, an English word, by the way, for citizens, convened for the first time. Its first law, which, like all laws, uh, would have to be approved by the London Company, required tobacco to be sold for at least three shillings per pound. Other laws passed during its first six-day session included prohibitions against gambling, drunkenness, and idleness, and a measure that made the Sabbath observance mandatory. 1619, first legislative body meeting in 1619. Well, let's talk uh, COVID-19 and the virus. The Florida Department of Health reported 109 new cases of COVID-19 and no additional deaths in Collier County. It brings a cumulative case total to 9,178 in Collier County with 57,897 tests. It's total death-related uh, cause uh, deaths, or I should say COVID-19-related deaths, remained at 120. Remember, that's COVID-related. If there's any sign of COVID-19 around, they, they claimed it was uh, related to COVID-19, which, of course, inflates the numbers. Wednesday, there are 138 COVID-19 patients being treated in Collier County hospitals. Uh, that's pretty good. In other words, there's still 19.1% of its total hospital beds available and 27.2% of its adult ICU beds available. Now, remember, flattening the curve means not overwhelming the healthcare system. So irrespective of the number of cases we have, what we're watching is hospital beds available. Public health experts attribute the decline in cases to mass. That's right. Uh, with no scientific evidence whatsoever, they're attributing the decline in cases to mass. Representative Louis Gohmert, a uh, Republican from Texas, he got coronavirus. He's wondering whether wearing a mask contributed to his testing positive for, for coronavirus. Probably equally scientific uh, Concern, but anyway. By the way, he he uh, <clears throat> revealed he will be taking hoxychloroquine after testing positive for coronavirus. Again, another very controversial 
thing that uh, right now the health officials, public health officials, are trying to downplay the effectiveness of hydroxychloroquine. I found this interesting. A study commissioned by the city of Mumbai in, in India revealed on Tuesday that over half of the people living in its famously crowded slums have antibodies for the one coronavirus in their blood. M- Mumbai, where about 40% of the population lives in slums, have reported just over 110,000 infections with more than 6,000 deaths so far. Herd immunity is an elusive concept that suggests a disease will die out once a sufficiently high percentage of the population has been exposed to it and developed antibodies. The exact level of exposure necessary to develop herd immunity is difficult to determine and is different for various diseases, but is generally thought to be between 50 and 80 percent of the population to become infected. So again, I mentioned uh, on another day, uh, I guess it was on Monday, that uh, my thought would be that about 70% of our population will end up getting coronavirus here in Cuyahoga County, who are in the United States, with about, uh, well, uh, one in 400 people who get the coronavirus dying. Now, now Mark Schulman challenged me, and when you do the math, that's that brings an excessively high number of deaths, like 750,000. So I'm changing it to about 1,000. One in th- 1,000 that get coronavirus will die. Uh, see, again, this is just my model, but I think it's just as uh, effective as any other model that's put, it, put out there, especially by the CDC and Niles Ferguson of, uh, of England. In any event, uh, the concept is this, that it will probably end up, we're slowing the spread by mass. Why do that? Why not just watch the number of hospital beds? Let's get herd immunity going here in Collier County and across the United States. Just a thought. President Trump wants to open schools. They want, he wants them to reopen his normal in-person classroom instruction in the fall, despite the pandemic. But if they don't, he's signaled that he was willing to push for a major expansion in school choice in response. If schools do not reopen, the funding should go to parents to send their children to public, private, and charter religious or homeschool of their choice. The key word would be choice, Trump told reporters at the White House. If the school is closed, the money should follow the students, so the parents and families should control uh, and make their own decisions. So we'd like the money to go to the parents of the student. That way they can make the decisions that's best for them. Now, about only about 8.5% of the total money used for education for kids in Cuyahoga County schools and across the nation, quite frankly, comes from the federal government, Department of Education, only 8.5%. So I think he's sending a subtle or not so subtle signal uh, to the uh, boards of education as well as to the unions, the school unions, that, hey, uh, we're watching what happens here and we're going to be suggesting that and highlight the fact that school choice is an important consideration for parents. If that's the case, I think that's a a less than a subtle threat to the uh, unions, National Education Association and so forth. We'll talk about this a little bit further with... uh, Keith Law, who's the uh, co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Well, just a heads up, tropical storm Isaias has swarmed and almost all of Florida remains in the forecast path. When you take a look at it, it just looks like Irma, where the path is currently considered. Now, it's a long way away right now, and it can certainly make a lot of different movements. But heavy rain and strong winds could impact the state by the end of the week. Maximum sustained winds are near about 45 miles per hour with, right now with higher gusts. 
Environmental conditions are expected to be conducive for additional development, and a tropical storm is forecast to form later today or tonight. That's a concern. So Ron, Governor Ron DeSantis, Wednesday morning, said residents should feel the impacts from the storm as early as uh, next week. He's encouraged everyone to prepare now for having at least seven days of disaster supplies, and I think that's an excellent thought for all of us to consider. Isaiah, bearing down, uh, perhaps coming to Florida. And uh, again, it looks like if, if it comes on the current path, it's predicted to go right through the middle of the state. Well, tech CEOs yesterday, they met Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google testified virtually in a hearing before the House Judiciary Antitrust Committee, subcommittee. It was the first time all four CEOs got together to face Congress. Now, they were all virtual, though. Amazon CEO Jeff Bezos, for the first time, performing in front of the tough crowd who didn't go easy on him. The four got questioned on everything from antitrust concerns to data privacy to business dealings with China. Uh, unlike previous hearings this time, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg didn't have to explain how the Internet works to, to the subcommittee. So uh, this is a related issue. Now, maybe we'll talk to um, Seat Motley on the show later. But on Monday, the Department of Commerce, as directed by President Trump, uh, Trump's executive order on preventive preventing online censorship, filed a petition to clarify the scope of Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act, the petition requests that the Federal Communications Commission, FCC, clarify that Section 230 does not permit social media companies that alter or editorialize user speech to escape civil liability. The petition also requests that the FCC clarify when an online platform, platform curates content in good faith and requests transparency requirements on their moderation practices, similar to the requirements imposed on broadband service providers until Title I of the Communications Act, President Trump will continue to fight back against unfair, un-American, and politically biased censorship of Americans online. And this is really rampant. It's unbelievable what's happening. Breitbart right now, uh, Google's closed down 99.9% .9 of their advertising effectiveness in their communications. Uh, there's this is there's serious political bias going on, and this really needs to be looked at. I'm very pleased that the president is directing through this executive order clarification of Section 230 of the 1996 Communications Decency Act. What Section 230 allows is the lack of liability. If they post something, they can say, hey, it wasn't us. We just put it up there. Now, they certainly can't be posting things that demonstrate extreme violence or perhaps... Uh, child pornography or whatever, the things that are absolutely outside the bounds of decency. But uh, what they're doing now is using Section 230 in order to eliminate uh, political speech, especially on the right, and it's just not right. This section of the show brought to you by the good folks at Johnson's Air Conditioning, Naples' longest established air conditioning company. Visit johnsonsairconditioning.com. Also by Naples Illustrated, bringing you infinite luxury lifestyles the website is naplesillustrated.com coming up we're going to visit with keith flaw the co-founder of the florida citizens alliance we're going to do that and more right here on the bob harden show on the bob harden broadcasting network stay tuned for more of the bob harden show here on the bob harden broadcasting network
I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. One of my favorites for breakfast or lunch is Lulabee's Diner, providing great service, fabulous food, and a rockin' good time. Lulabee's Diner is a throwback to the 60s, complete with great music and a fabulous 60s decor. What I like best is a blend of great food, great value, and terrific service. Most of the friendly waitstaff has been part of Lulabee's for years. I enjoy the great choices for breakfast and lunch, and you'll find the menu has everything and anything to satisfy your taste. Lulabee's offers catering, party platters, lunch boxes, and more. Lulabee's Diner will quickly become one of your favorites for breakfast or lunch. No reservations are needed. Check out the website at lulabees.com and stop by Lulabee's Diner, open from 8 a.m. until 2 p.m. seven days a week. Lulabee's Diner in the Green Tree Shopping Center at the corner of Immokalee and Airport Pulling Roads. Stop by Lulabee's Diner for fabulous food and for a forever cool rockin' good time. Gulf Shore Playhouse, devoted to creating professional New York-style theater at its very best and at affordable prices, presents a fabulous new season of productions beginning in November with a world premiere of a one-man show written by and starring the talented associate artistic director of Gulf Shore Playhouse, Jeffrey Bender. Pinup Girls opens in January, singing a cavalcade of hits inspired by real letters from our troops overseas. Inspired by what they find funny, romantic, heartbreaking, and sexy, the ladies put on a show that celebrate the guys and gals who fight to defend our country. Bang Bang opens in March, written by legendary actor of Monty Python fame, John Cleese. You'll surely be wiping away tears of laughter with this one. William Shakespeare's A Midsummer Night's Dream opens in March. Meddling parents, impetuous young lovers, and cunning fairies collide in Shakespeare's enchanting classic. Another Revolution by Jacqueline Bircher opens in May. You won't want to miss this timely new work about finding hope in one another through the uncertainty of the world around us. What a terrific season of productions. Tickets for this great new season are available now. Tickets start at only $38. Tickets can be purchased by calling the box office at 866-811-4111 or visiting the website golfshoreplayhouse.org. We'll see you at the show. Welcome back to the Bob Harton Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harton. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. we got summer programs running right now for kids, and you can find out more by visiting the website, golfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with Seat Motley. He's the founder and president of Less Government. Right now we have with us Keith Flaw. Keith is the co-founder of the Florida Citizens Alliance. Uh, Keith, maybe you can tell us about the Florida Citizens Alliance, and thank you so much for joining us. Oh, I'm happy to be with you, Bob. Uh, the Florida Citizens Alliance is, uh, I guess we're about eight years old now. We're a grassroots uh, coalition of well over 100 groups here in Florida. Uh, we focus on K-12 through education reform. Uh, to us, uh, a couple of key elements of that. Uh, one is uh, we're strong proponents and advocates for uh, parental school choice. And we've been trying, and, and with some success, but trying to get the uh, indoctrination, um, particularly the the, uh, the teaching our kids about socialism versus uh, denigrating capitalism, and then, of course, getting the pornography out of our schools. Yeah, absolutely a great organization, Keith, and you've done a great job of being an advocate, a citizen's advocate, I'll say, up in Tallahassee and having some influence not only with legislators but also the commission 
Commission of Education and the governor as well. So, and some good things have happened as a real as a result. So, kudos to you and members of the Florida Citizens Alliance. So, I want to come back to uh, choice, school choice. But before we do, you've got an exciting event coming up this week. Uh, yes, we do. It uh, actually starts tomorrow night. It's going to be um, a, a, a live streamed event. Uh, we're actually t uh, taping it and streaming it out of Chattanooga. Uh, Tennessee. It'll be a national event uh, with uh, uh, 12 different national speakers. Uh, the focus, it's called Rescuing Our Children, and we're going to be focusing uh, on individual topics to include um, sex ed and pop culture, human trafficking, um, our schools uh, uh, being run by Marxists. Uh, there's a whole series of really high-quality speakers that are going to be speaking. So it's a live stream. Uh, people can find it by going to our website. It's right up in the right corner. It's the first event. You just click on it and follow the clicks to uh, be able to live stream the event. If you happen to have Roku on your on your TV, smart TV, uh, there, it'll also be on a Roku channel. Uh, it's called T-A-C-E-N TV, Tassin TV. So um, we're really excited about that. We've played a, uh, with a, the, the host. It's the first time we tried to do something like this on a, uh, national basis, uh, COVID kind of pushed us into, you know, t uh, pursuing the live stream thing. So we'll be uh, both a, a little bit anxious to pull it off, yeah. but very excited. But very excited. This is the first time we've done something like this. Well, it's a big deal. It's a national event, and with the speakers, they're just absolutely fabulous. And we won't have to, a time to go through the list of them right now. But I just want to encourage our listeners to follow up on this and visit the website goflca.com. Goflca.com. And uh, click on the upper right-hand corner where you see the event. And again, it's called Rescuing Our, Ch Our Children 2020, starting tomorrow night on, on the 31st and uh, going through August the 1st. And again, if you ha can't see hear all the speakers or you need to do something else at that time, you can always, uh, you're going to be preserving it on the website, right, uh, Keith? Right, it'll be available, the individual segments will be available on demand after afterwards. Yeah, congratulations to you. This is a big, big, big deal. When you see the lineup of speakers, you will be impressed. And by the way, the information that you'll hear will be shocking in some ways. And uh, it's uh, to be informed about what's happening in education here in America is just really, really important. Uh, Keith, you also uh, just put something out this morning, a mom's concerns in response to the CDC re uh, requirements or guidelines for sending kids to school. Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, people can find it on YouTube or on our Facebook. Excuse me, our Facebook channel. It's had had over seven hundred fifty thousand hits on uh, YouTube. Wow. Uh, the, the mom, uh, and it's a mom's concerns, and it's all about the mental health implications of of uh, going back to school with the mask, wearing mask for seven hours, uh, no resource, a recess, uh, no lunch, uh, social distancing. Uh, the other uh, couple of points she makes have to do with, you know, one of the key ways that young children learn is by being able to read the facial expressions of the people they interact with. Absolutely. It's part of their, it's, it's part of their social development. And so by having teachers covering up their faces and their fellow uh, students covering up their faces, uh, they're missing all of that uh, so critical um, psychological development yeah and uh and so she says uh, she just does a very good job of articulating 
And of course, that leads right into the next uh, discussion point. There are lots and lots of parents now. I'm hearing uh, just yesterday here on Marco Island, uh, Tommy Barfield. I was told that only a hundred parents plan to go, uh, kids plan to go back to Tommy Barfield, um, and the rest are going to homeschool. So uh, we're excited about the homeschool opportunity and yeah. getting kids out of the government schools. Uh, but this mom's concerns were really very well articulated. Well, I, I just to pile on too. I, quite frankly, I, I think it's uh, institutionalizing fear in kids. I mean, just to have a reaction like this to to this virus. I think you know we don't react this way to the flu, which basically it claims more lives than than and, and is more dangerous to kids, frankly, than the uh, coronavirus. So. Uh, I just am very concerned about uh, the unintended consequences we are we're taking by having kids wear masks and goggles and so forth. I'm not so sure they're unintended, to be honest with you. <laughs> yeah. I, don't mean to be, I don't mean to be cynical, but I think the grand scheme here, the, the, the next step in the plan is to mandate uh, vaccines, mm-hmm. uh, both in schools and for you and I. If, I mean, I'm flying tomorrow up to Chattanooga, and, and I'm willing to bet you uh, that there's a reasonable chance in the next step that you won't be able to fly unless you can prove uh, you've got a you've got a, um, a vaccine. Wow. So that that may be a little bit. Uh, and I just think that's uh, the next step in the game plan. And, and I could be wrong, but wow. um, well, you're see. you're usually right, Keith. So uh, <laughs> that's a, that's a chilling thought, quite frankly. So uh, I'm a, I'm more concerned and, and hopeful for therapeutics like oxychloroquine, then I am about uh, uh, the vaccine. I'm a little wary of the vaccine, quite frankly, personally. So, yeah, Me too. Yeah. Uh, in fact, I'll tell you, just based on all the reading we've been doing, uh, it just makes no sense to take this vaccine that's full of, uh, you know, who knows what. But who knows it, what, it, indeed. <laughs> yep. So, I mean, okay. it, it's, uh, it, I also want, before I let you go, Keith, a president's come out and said he wants schools to reopen, and if they, if they don't reopen, he wants to hold money back from the federal government uh, for education. He wants, to be, wants it to go to parents so that for school choice. Now, we know, both know, that there's not a lot of money that comes in from the federal government. Most of the money is, uh, you know, we spend $1.1 billion a year right here in Cuyahoga County on education. That's the majority of the money for kids' education. But I think, I'm quite frankly, really really pleased with the timing of this, the president putting, I'm going to say using his bully uh, pulpit to uh, put pressure on the school unions, to teachers' unions, to show up. No, I, I think it's I, I think it's absolutely long overdue. I would have loved to have seen the president be much more aggressive on just the reform needed in our education system, but uh, tying the uh, what I've been hearing him say is he wants to tie the money that the states get to the kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than to the system, and yeah. and uh, we couldn't be a stronger advocate for that notion. Yeah, absolutely. Well, again, this is kind of a critical time, and the good that comes out of this pandemic may be that parents become much more involved in the in the education of their kids. Right now, we've always taken for granted you send kids to school, they come home, they do their homework. Well, now this has been a big shake-up of the education system, and I think it might create some new motivation for parents to consider alternatives like homeschooling. And now, you know, even having, uh, as I understand it, there's co-ops, uh, families putting together groups so that they each take a turn, kind of uh, helping to lead the, the uh, learning process for uh, a group of kids in a neighborhood, for example. So uh, good things are starting to come out of this. And we, uh, on our website, we're actually strongly, we've done our uh, vetting, and we're uh, absolutely advocating for 
parents to check out two different uh, homeschool opportunities. One is Classical Conversations. It's a co-op, as you indicate. Um, and the second one is uh, Freedom Project Academy, uh, two excellent programs um, that uh, parents can use, uh, different in, in some respects, but ex- both excellent. Okay, so. so all this, and again, let's not forget about the event coming up tomorrow night, our ch- uh, Re- Rescuing Our Children 2020. You can go to the website, goflca.com, goflca.com. Check it out. Lots of great things going on. Keith, just genuinely appreciate your uh, showing up here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Take care, Bob. Have a great weekend. You as well. Thank you. All right, uh, coming up, we're going to be visiting uh, with uh, Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Blue Provence Restaurant is a favorite dining destination for many Neapolitans, including Linda and myself. Blue Provence, located in a historic building in the heart of Old Naples at Creighton Cove, offers a mix of French bistro cooking with bold, fresh Floridian flavors. Experience award-winning cuisine at Blue Provence and enjoy one of Florida's most extensive, eclectic, and fun wine cellars. Dining your choice are the popular Eden Bar, the intimate Courtyard Garden, or the beautiful Provencal Caribbean Dining Room. Enjoy a wonderful and memorable evening in a casual and relaxed atmosphere that includes a taste of Provencal hospitality. Blue Provence is open seven days a week, all year round. Visit BlueProvenceNaples.com for reservations, everyday specials, and coming events. That's BlueProvenceNaples.com or call 261-8239. That's 261-8239. Blue Provence French Restaurant in the heart of Old Naples. Do you have an extra auto you'd like to donate to charity? Maximize your tax deduction, support your favorite charity, and help a local child in need by calling Naples Auto Donation Center. Naples Auto Donation Center is a not-for-profit licensed car dealer. Just call NADC at 692-9840 and they'll take it from there. You get a properly documented tax deduction for whatever the vehicle actually sells for. Your designated beneficiary charity gets half the profit after fix-up costs and the net revenue generated by NADC goes to Friends of Foster Children to provide tutoring and other enrichment activities for foster children the government doesn't provide. And NADC is also one of the few places in Collier County that sells inexpensive cars that actually run to folks who would otherwise not be able to afford one. It's a real win-win. Call Naples Auto Donation Center at 692-9840 or visit the website nadckids.com. You'll be glad you did. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. It is a moral imperative. I proudly serve on the board, and I hope you'll check out the website, thefga.org. Coming up, we're going to be visiting with former Na- uh, mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us our state representative and candidate for United States Congress here on District 19, Byron Donalds. Byron, thank you so much for joining us. 
morning, Bob. Good morning, Byron. So uh, some great things happening right now. I want to talk to you about your campaign, but first, I always appreciate when you weigh in on what's happening nationally. And, uh, of course, we're taking a look at this violence in Seattle and Portland, Oregon, and other liberal cities. Any thoughts? The biggest thought is, is that this is purely a lack of leadership, uh, frankly, from um, Democrat mayors and Democrat governors. And the sad part is, is it's really being done on purpose, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, there is no need for there to be uh, riots and violence at federal buildings in these cities. Uh, local police, if they were given the authority by their mayors and by their governors and even state police, could step in at any point in time to, to, to tamp this down, but they won't do it. Um, the reason why they won't do it is in part, I believe, is because they want unrest in our streets. Mm -hmm. They want this stuff on the nightly news. So Department of Homeland Security had no choice. Uh, you cannot. I, mean, I was at the federal courthouse um, in Fort Myers a couple of weeks ago. I just wanted to go to the bathroom. They told me I had to leave my phone outside. Mm -hmm. like, I couldn't take my phone into a federal courthouse building. And I even asked the security, I was like, really, I can't, I'm just going to the bathroom. They're like, no, you can't. Wow. You have to leave your phone with somebody outside. That's the level of security that is at a federal building. Mm -hmm. And so, of course, federal law enforcement has a responsibility under Homeland Security of protecting these structures. Um, and so this, this back and forth we've seen in Portland and Seattle is because you have the left, and unfortunately the fringe left, where you have these local mayors that are part of this fringe left, they, they, they want to make sure... Uh, that there is unrest in our streets. The president has said that enough is enough, and he's made sure that there is a uh, there is a, a federal police presence um, to protect these federal structures, which is the purpose, the job, and the role of the federal government in this regard. Um, and so, I, I find it to be very unnerving uh, that you have this stalemate, frankly, between political officials on opposite sides of the political spectrum, just because you have a presidential election less than less than 100 days away. It's really sad for America that we've gotten to this point. And I hope that, you know, people who typically vote Democrat in our inner cities see the lack of leadership and, frankly, see how callous they are to the well-being of, 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 of their cities when it's time to create a, a political narrative uh, for the left to win the presidency this fall. I, I, think it's, I think it's disgusting. I think it's atrocious. And it definitely should not be rewarded. I need the, the people living in those cities, and frankly, a lot of Democrats around the country, we cannot reward the bad behavior of the left. And that's exactly what's going on right now. This is terrible behavior. It's not American. And it need, we need to make sure it's defeated, not just in the streets at night, but at the ballot box in November. I uh, couldn't agree more. You know, I, I just wonder, though, is do you think that this is because of uh, the, the whole notion that in Seattle they want to close down now prisons, uh, release prisoners and uh, make uh, about 60 percent of the capacity, reduce uh, the capacity of prisons in Seattle by about 60 percent. They want to get defund the police. Do you think this is all about a kumbaya, we don't need police and we're going to have sp spread love here in the city? Or do you think there's a, I mean, to me, it's is it naivete or is it evilness? Or both? No, I, I think this is the this is the same Cloward Priven strategy. This is this is pure Marxism on display, mm -hmm. and you have Democrat officials who, frankly, aren't Democrats. I mean, these are ultra liberals. These are these are Marxists in some degree, and they feel that they have the wind at their back in this moment in time in America to push as far to the left as they possibly can. Mm -hmm. That's why you have them talking about uh, reassigning. All they want to say it is, oh, no, we're just reallocating dollars. 
That's ridiculous. When you defund the police, you're taking officers off the street. When you take officers off the street, you are giving uh, the criminal element free reign to do whatever they feel needs to be done in, in these communities. When you try to when you try to just massively depopulate your prisons, let's let's be honest. People are in prison for a reason uh, most of the time. Mm-hmm. Most of the time, they're there for a reason. So if you go through a radical move of just, of just depopulating prisons just because you want to try a different approach, um, that actually puts your citizenry at risk. Mm-hmm. Um, Seattle, this is the same city, city council that voted in the $15 minimum wage a few years ago, which has been a disaster for hospitality workers. It's been a disaster for, for actual people who, who have to work blue-collar jobs because, oh, yeah, they started making $15 an hour, but they didn't have enough hours to make ends meet. So their hours got cut. They had to go from working two jobs to working three or even four. And so that's the radical element that has existed in the city of Seattle, specifically also the city of Portland, for a decade now. They have been pushing this, this left-wing agenda. It has, frankly, been the petri dish for, for left-wing ideology and, and orthodoxy. And now they're using this moment in time with coronavirus and with shutdowns uh, to push that agenda even further. And the people who are suffering are the, are the citizens who reside in those cities. Yeah. I mean, we're not suffering here in Naples, Bob. I mean, because we're not crazy people. Well, maybe our, our county commission might be a little <laughs> But we're not crazy people. But that, those are the people who are suffering. And yeah. so if you even heard the, the, the public comment at the city council meeting in Seattle, where they were, talk, they were bringing up the discussion of defunding their police departments by 50%, you had citizens saying, this is crazy. We don't live in a utopia. Yeah. We need to have police on our streets. Yeah, nah, no question, Byron. Hey, listen, before I let you go, though, I want to change the topic to your campaign. I mean, there's nine candidates, I believe, running in your race for District 19. I've come out loudly. I've, I've, I've known you for years, 10 years at least. And uh, I think you'd be a great congressman for uh, District 19. I think you just absolutely would be the best possible candidate. And now you're getting a lot of support from the National Rifle Association, also from the uh, Club for Growth. And I saw a big uh, column, and I forgot the name of the organization that supports you as well. Well, you know, we've picked, we're picking up a lot of steam uh, and a lot of momentum in this race. I just want to tell everybody, uh, I know the negative attacks are out there. Um, my opponents have, I think now they're up to around $750,000 in negative ads and negative mail pieces against me. And the reason why that is is because um, I'm the threat. I'm a, a massive threat to them. If my opponents didn't attack me, Bob, to be honest, this race will be over. Right? Right. And, and, we would, and we would win going away. So they had to go on the attack. They had to just be negative. It was their only possible way to, to, to make this competitive. That being said, uh, last week we were endorsed by the NRA. Uh, we were endorsed by Americans for Prosperity. They've endorsed my campaign. Wow. Uh, the American Liberty Fund has endorsed my campaign. Um, and and real and, and I was actually I was at a meeting last night. I had a fundraiser last night, and I was explaining to folks that you know these groups, the Club for Growth, they might endorse a congressional candidate here or there. They're very picky about who they support. Right. Um, they don't endorse in every race. Um, they typically don't endorse the same candidate. Uh, but these three, or, these four organizations have all endorsed me. What that, what, what that means for the voters is that they vetted all of my opponents, not just myself. And they came to the conclusion based upon my track record, you know, in the Tea Party movement, 
uh, my conservative voting record in the legislature and me really being a, a champion for individual liberty in our Constitution, they've all come to the same conclusion that not, not only am I the best candidate in this race, but I'm actually one of the, one of the, one of the better congressional candidates running in the country. Yeah. And so I'm honored to have their support, and I just hope I have the support of your listeners as well. Bob, you and Linda have been tremendous and fantastic. And, you know, we're, we're uh, 19 days away from Election Day, and I just need everybody to make sure they tell their friends, that, you know, they become Facebook warriors and Twitter warriors for our campaign. And I think we're on track to go win. All right. Good. ByronDonalds.com is the website. While you're there, make a contribution. Uh, money is the mother milk of uh, politics. Byron just genuinely uh, supports you, obviously. I'm very proud of you, what you've accomplished in your life. And uh, just I think you'll be a great U.S. congressman. So thank you so much for joining us here on the show. Thanks for having me, Bob. You have a great day. You as well. Thank you, Byron. All right, coming up, uh, we're going to visit with Seton Motley, the founder and president of Less Government. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For the best in food and drink, as well as great live entertainment, go to the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar. Formerly known as Weekend Willie's, the Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar has terrific new local owners offering a great new upscale decor and a fabulous new menu. Linda and I are weekly regulars to hear live blues, but you can stop by anytime for great food and drink, to watch your favorite sporting event, or to hear great live entertainment five nights a week. The Dog 2 Sports and Music Bar is located at 5310 Shirley Street, just off Pine Ridge Road, and it's open from 11 a.m. until close every day. Visit the website dogtoothnaples.com or call 431-7004. That's 431-7004. I hope we'll see you there. Did you know St. Matthew's House operates the only emergency homeless shelters in Collier County? St. Matthew's House provided more than 500,000 hot meals to those in need last year, and since 2010, 527 men and women have graduated from the St. Matthew's House Justin's Place Addiction Recovery Program. For over 30 years, St. Matthew's House has provided innovative solutions to fight homelessness, hunger, substance abuse, and poverty in Southwest Florida. And you can help St. Matthew's House in this life-transforming work by patronizing the St. Matthew's House Thrift Stores, Cafe M25, Car Wash and Detailing Center, and award-winning catering operations. For more information, visit stmatthewshouse.org. That's stmatthewshouse.org. St. Matthew's House is a 501c3 not-for-profit organization and does not solicit government funding. Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by Gulf Shore Playhouse, bringing you professional New York-style theater at its very best. Visit gulfshoreplayhouse.org. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Right now we have with us Seton Motley. Seton is the founder and president of Less Government. Seton, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. You know, we're a suburb of Naples, and we have 232 people, and I don't know what kind of government we have. I don't know if we have a mayor or an emperor, or I don't know what we have. Well, you're in Goodland, aren't you? Right. 
Wow. Right. 242 people last census. Well, I, I wish I could tell you, but I frankly don't know myself. So. <laughs> Why? Well, you don't You don't have to know. I'm supposed to, and I don't. So well, there you go. So, hey, Seton, uh, you wrote a column about Google. If you don't let us steal, uh, this, this is great. If you don't let us steal, people will stop making things for us to steal. <laughs> Maybe you can tell us about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, um, the, 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 there's a case, you know, we've discussed this before. The case before uh, the Supreme Court is Oracle versus Google. And what happened was Oracle bought Sun Microsystems in like 2006, 2007. Sun Microsystems had created something called Java. Java is an open script, open platform software. A lot of the, a lot of the code you use to build a website, the build, like, like the foundational blocks, the, the code is pretty much the same. So things like Java exist to allow you to use that code mm-hmm. uh, to, rather than writing it yourself, and that saves you a lot of time and effort building a website. The two uh, stipulations of using Java code is one. You keep whatever you make open, or two, you pay for licenses to use the code you use from Java. Well, Google used 11,500 lines of Java code. They were negotiating for, uh, for, and by the way, they used it for Android, which is now the number one operating system on the planet. Right. They probably made a trillion dollars off it, and I'm not exaggerating. Between the data collection and the devices themselves, they've probably made over the last decade a trillion dollars on this thing. And they were negotiating for licenses for the code, and then one day they just stopped negotiating. And then all of a sudden, they released Android with the 11,500 lines of code, but without the licenses to use it. So, of course, Oracle had to sue. Well, 10 years later, we're in front of the Supreme Court. The argument Google is making in front of the Supreme Court is, if you rule in favor of Oracle defending its Java, you will harm innovation. (laughs) Which is basically they're saying, if you don't let us steal this, we will not have things to steal in the future. Wow. Which, when of course, the exact opposite is true. If the court rules that Oracle can have their stuff stolen, why would Oracle make or buy any more stuff? Absolutely. I mean, this is you know what Google's asking the Supreme Court to do is rule against human nature. <laughs> they're saying yes, you can make, you can spend time, effort, and money making something, and then anybody in the world can steal it from you, and you will keep making stuff putting in time, money, and effort so that that can be stolen. That makes absolutely no sense. That's the argument Google is trying to make. Yeah. And I'm hopeful that, you know, as we're, as we're finding out, it always depends on what John Roberts had for breakfast that morning. Yeah, so um, that, this uh, is apparently would be uh, on the docket in October. October. Yeah, That's so right. so uh, when this, if, this, if this is their case, if this is what they're saying, I don't think they have much well, to say. Well, I'll tell you, it's lasted... This argument has lasted for 10 years. I mean, they've won in lower courts. Wow, unbelievable. Now, the, now the court, the, the, the decision there that the, the Supreme Court is reviewing is in favor of Oracle. Mm-hmm. So, so they've got, you know, it's, it's like tennis, add in, add out. It's add Oracle right now. Yeah, um, and that's, and, a, big, you know, that's uh, a big deal when it comes to the Supreme Court. They usually absolutely. F- favor the decision of the lower but court. But it, it also makes you wonder... Now, it only takes one judge or justice to bring up a case, but 
if, why would it be before the Supreme Court if everybody on the Supreme Court agreed with the lower court ruling? Right. Well, I'm, I'm, more, I'm most concerned about the protection of intellectual property and copyright. That's right. And that's what this is. This is copyright protection. That's yeah. exactly right. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, before I let you go, uh, I do want to get you, you know, the executive order coming from the president on Section 230 right. of the FCC uh, 1996 law. Uh, any comments? The only, the only angle I can see where they can work within the confines of existing law, because, you know, Trump's not Obama, and Obama's, you know, writing law all the time. You can't do that. The, 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 there's a phrase in Section 230. It's a very short, I think it's 26 words, Section 230. In good faith. You're supposed to remove content from your social media platforms in good faith, meaning... If it's pornography, you're acting in good faith to remove right. it as pornography. Right. If it's stolen intellectual property, you're acting in good faith to remove stolen intellectual property. It's not anywhere within the confines of in good faith editing to remove conservative content simply because they're conservative content. Well, the example I love to use is, uh, I think it was Instagram or one of those, one of the websites, one of the platforms, classified a pro-life group as pornography so that they could then remove them. Yeah, unbelievable. Well, the, I think yeah. that the president's, I, think, I see two positives coming from this executive order because, you know, as, as you've mentioned before, it's going to take a change, a legislative change to, in order to, uh, to enforce right. this. But I think the president, first of all, is drawing attention to it by right. this executive order. And number two, he's asking for clarification. Those few words that you mentioned, in good faith, I think could make a difference in terms of some of the now, decisions. I, that's the angle. That's the angle under existing law where I think you can make a lot of progress. A lot of progress. Yeah, so interesting. And as you said about the, uh, I, I love this line from West Wing, uh, Jed Bartlett, the fake president, uh, was was getting yelled at for not doing something fast enough for an activist. And he said, I'm a human starting gun. I can't just, you know, pop off at the mouth. Well, Trump's using his human starting gun status, like you said, to bring attention to this. Yeah, well, it's a good thing. Just <laughs> President Trump, he's he's got a lot of things going on for sure. Oh, God, just taking fire from all sides. No it's, question. It's, it's tombstone. Got your car a little crossfire there. <laughs> <laughs> Seton Motley, again, the founder and president of Less Government. I encourage you to visit lessgovernment.org. By the way, it's a great column, uh, Seton. Thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank and you also, very much. And as, as well as uh, Facebook, you can visit Less Government on Facebook. Seton, I always appreciate your commentary here on the show. Thank you so much for joining us. Have a great day. Thank you. You as well. Thanks. All right. Coming up, we're going to visit with the former mayor of Naples, uh, Bill Barnett. We're going to do that and more right here on the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Stay tuned for more of the Bob Harden Show here on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. Do you or a family member suffer from chronic pain in your knees, hips, or shoulders? Joint pain can be a nagging and serious problem requiring expert and compassionate care. I know I'm Bob Harden, the host of The Bob Harden Show. Until 2006, I was suffering debilitating pain and deformity in my knees. I couldn't enjoy biking or golf or even sleep without chronic pain as a constant companion. Thanks to Dr. George Markovich and the professional staff at the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, my pain is gone, and I'm back to doing the activities I enjoy with no pain. I have a lifestyle I can only imagine. 
imagine prior to knee surgery, and you can too. Call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine. They will thoroughly evaluate your condition, provide personalized, state-of-the-art treatment, and help you relieve your pain and get back to your active lifestyle. At the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, your care will be professionally managed through every phase of your recovery. For an initial consultation, call the Institute for Orthopedic Surgery and Sports Medicine, located off Tamiami Trail in Bonita Springs at 482-5399. That's 482-5399. You listen to The Bob Harden Show, so why not market your company to our loyal listeners? Ads are played live on each show and then archived so listeners can hear the show and your ad at their convenience. Each advertising package includes a banner on BobHarden.com with a link to your website at no extra charge. Join Lulabee's Diner, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and many others who advertise on the show. Call me at 598-3889, that's 598-3889, or send an email to bobharden at hotmail.com to design an ad program that's just right for your business and your budget. You'll be pleasantly surprised at the cost and the value. Several advertisers have been with me for years. Find out why by calling 598-3889 or send me an email to bobharden at hotmail.com. You'll be glad you did. Hey, Chris. Welcome back to the Bob Harden Show. And now here's your host, Bob Harden. Thanks so much for joining us here on the show. It's brought to you in part by the Foundation for Government Accountability, creating policies and programs to get able-bodied folks off of welfare and back to work. And that's just one of the terrific initiatives. You can find out more by visiting the website, thefga.org, thefga.org. We have with us uh, Mayor of uh, Bill Barnett, former Mayor of Naples, Bill Barnett. Bill, thank you so much for joining us. Hey, let me make it easier for you. Okay. Yeah. You can say Mayor Bill Barnett retired. Okay. <laughs> because I have R-E-T on my card. Bill Barnett. I'm going so, to call you Mayor Bill. So Mayor I, Bill. Everybody does. You're, yeah. you're always being I've Mayor anyway. Bill to me. So. All right. So let's talk, about, we resolve that. Let's, let's talk about news in the city, Bill. I mean, uh, the city council met sure. and, and made uh, what I thought was somewhat of a surprising decision to not uh, enforce or have the mask mandate. Yeah, I was I was actually uh, surprised myself. Everybody thought it was going to be a slam dunk, Bob. And uh, they they sure beat it up pretty good, you uh-huh. know, and uh, they had they had quite a few speakers, some pro, some non-pro and uh but I uh again, um I thought what they did was, you know, they they came up with an alternate plan. They're going to fund Fifty thousand dollars to for for um, you know they're going to help people learn what to do and teach them the right things and partner with, a little bit with the hospital and I didn't quite understand where that fifty grand was really going but <laughs> I don't think they did either but it sounded good. <laughs> if the least we could do is throw some money at it, right? <laughs> yeah, throw some money at it. That'll 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 make somebody happy and tick somebody off, but. Uh, uh, but at least they they came to they came to a decision and that was good, and uh, I think that um, you know that's that's one that we talk about every week. That that's a no matter which way you go on that, okay, you're you're basically stuck. You know what I mean? Yes, you I are. do. Well, then that, the, that, the feelings on this thing are very strong on both sides. There's no question about that. Right. 
And uh, I don't know if you've noticed, I mean, I'm sure you have noticed, that the uh, the numbers are starting to turn the corner a little bit here in Collier County and in Florida, in fact. Uh, fewer cases, fewer hospitalizations, uh, fewer deaths and so forth. Uh, hope it hangs on. Yeah, well, I think once we get it going, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm hoping it will as well, like everybody else, so we can get things uh, back to if there is such a thing as normal anymore. I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. You know, we don't we don't know what the norm is anymore, and now with this uh, tropical storm brewing, who knows what that's going to do? Boy, that's so true too. You know, uh, Bill. Uh, frankly, uh, the the news that there's a downturn in the number of cases, and immediately uh, public health care officials start to say, "Well, that's because we're wearing masks now." <laughs> right. Well, of course. Where's yeah, the science to you, prove that? That's just ridiculous. Well, listen, hey, it, it sounds good, and and and. Uh, you're going to use whichever one, whichever one um, they were pushing the hardest to to to, to turn the curve. Okay, yeah. is what they were going to use. So masks were right there, and uh, it doesn't matter what they say as long as it happens. Okay, it's not a. Uh, you agree? Well, it, it doesn't matter how it happens as long as it happens. Well, this is what I take issue with. The the, the president said we need to uh, do this and close down until we can flatten the curve and make sure we're not overwhelming the health care system, which I think makes a lot of sense. So the governor right. said that's what we're going to focus on is flattening the curve. Well, we flattened the curve, and now what's the, fo- what's the focus in terms of the mainstream media? Number of cases. And number of cases yeah. is is it's, it's fanning the fear of the flames of fear in my my opinion. I just don't. I think it's unnecessary. You know that we have enough to deal with without yeah. making it worse. Yeah, they said they gave a very quick. Uh, they gave a statistic last night. I think it was at uh, NCH or it was Lee. It was Lee Memorial. Mm-hmm. Uh, um, and he said that they had like twelve new cases yesterday or whatever. And released forty four. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So uh, you know the that's a big number. That 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 shows something. Uh, so, new- but they don't say that very often. No, they don't. In fact, just in the last couple of days, the Naples Daily News has started to publish the number of uh, beds available, and there's like. 20% of the beds are available in, uh, for example, in in Collier County, and 30% of ICUs for adults are available in Collier County, so they're not being overwhelmed at all. No, no, definitely not. And uh, before we uh, sign off this morning, you know my my friend and former uh, city um, councilwoman, uh, Ellen Siegel, do you know that uh, she's, you know, that she listens to your show uh, a day late sometimes, or or replays it on uh, however you streaming and whatever. But she, uh, I spoke to her the other day, and she said, "You know, I I listen to you on Bob Harden. That might be the first person in how many years we've been doing this." Yeah, Bob? a lot of years. I said, "Hey, she's a big fan of yours." So it was like it was really funny. Not mine, yours. Yeah, well, that I should, <laughs> You know what? Though I always enjoy having you on the show. It's just uh, always informative. First of all, I must say that you're staying up to date with what's happening in locally, and we appreciate the commentary and the news about that. Uh, but uh, well, sure, I'm getting a lot of emails. People saying, "Hey, can you put me on the list?" And can you, uh, you know, I, I really enjoy your show. It's, uh, it, I've noticed that's now, great. Yeah, since I've been sending out this newsletter, uh, a lot of people have just really been uh, paying attention to it, and I really appreciate it. Well, listen, you 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 do a great job. You have for years and years and years. Uh, so it's it's uh, people that find you for the first time uh, will be delighted. 
you don't beat anybody up. You're honest with your opinion for sure. Yeah. And uh, um, they have to appreciate that. Well, you thank Bob, you. you're like a breath of fresh air unless <laughs> you're on the golf course. <laughs> thank you. But did you know what Saturday is? You don't yeah, know. Saturday what? Well, Saturday is our ninth anniversary of broadcasting on the internet. Oh my God! August first. Wow. Yeah, 2011. We started the show on the internet, and uh, just very appreciative of uh, all those that have kind of stuck with me through this process and supported uh, the effort of our advertisers. Awesome. I'm so appreciative of them and uh, Johnson's Air Conditioning, Blue Provence, and all the others that uh, 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 Lulabee's Diner. Lula, Lulabee's, yeah, I was going to say, one of these days I will get there for breakfast. Well, please do, because you know, they have all this construction going on in Green Tree Shopping Center, and right. uh, it's, uh, it's kind of dampened. I think people just drive by to stop in, so I just encourage our listeners go to Lulabee's diner but you know by the way they've been big supporters of st matthew's house justin's place is named after their son who uh, yeah. died uh, from uh, i guess narcotics or something like that but in any event she is they're just great people and uh yeah i mean you 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 do have uh you do have a lot of, a lot of uh, very nice you you have good sponsors you do oh thank and, you and uh yeah, and that, that keeps you going. Yeah, man. <laughs> well, <laughs> Phil, I just, you know what, I'm doing exactly right after this show. I have a tea time at 8.48, so. <laughs> All right. I'll be us. Well, I expect a terrific round today, Bob, because the sun is out, and uh, I don't see any rain clouds here anyway, and uh, so hit them really good, and um, we'll talk next Thursday. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Bill. Take care. You Bye. as well. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap here into this show. I must say, though, by the way, more than 100 uh, law enforcement agencies are reportedly pulling out of security agreements to send personnel to help with security at the Democrat National Convention next month. 100 law enforcement agencies, in part because they're concerned about recent efforts to limit law enforcement's use of tear gas and pepper spray responding to the violent riots. So uh, Milwaukee Police Chief Alfonso Morales was ordered last month to change the department's policies to ban use of tear gas and pepper spray. Again, up there in the stronghold of uh, uh, Wisconsin, a very liberal state, blue state. And so uh, the other police chiefs are saying, well, you know what? We're not going to go up there. If we can't, if we're going to try and limit what we're able to use as the tools for our business and for uh, supporting people and, and uh, protecting property and people, uh, we're not going to come up there. So 100 have, uh, have withdrawn. I don't know what they're going to do about this, but it's so interesting to me that, that this is what they're going to do. Well, that's a wrap here in today's show. I hope you've enjoyed it. I certainly have. If you'd like to get on the newsletter to uh, receive uh, 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 what's happening on the show each day after the show, you can send me an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. And while you're at it, always appreciate your comments on the show. Again, an email at bobharden at hotmail.com. Com. Coming up on tomorrow, we're going to visit with William Yateman. William is a, a senior fellow at the uh, Cato Institute. We'll be visiting with Sharon Kenny, the author of Where Should We Eat? We'll also visit with Dave Bigo. Dave is the author of The Devil at Her Doorstep about the travails of dealing with SEIU union bosses over the course of two and a half years and all their dirty tricks uh, coming out the rules uh, from the Rules for Radicals playbook. Uh, the exact same that we're seeing from uh, the Democrats and what they're doing. We talked earlier about the uh, fires and all the things that are going on. In any event, uh, we'll visit uh, with uh, Dave Bigo as well. I hope you make it a great day on the Paradise Coast or wherever you are. Namaste. <laughs>
Thanks so much for listening to the Bob Harden Show on the Bob Harden Broadcasting Network. For more information and audio files of previous shows, visit www.bobharden.com.